This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Low Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Good morning. Thank you ever so much for agreeing to take part in the pod. Of course. <laughs> okay, so the way I start these episodes um, is right at the start. So my first question for you is, who did you support as a child and who were your favourite players growing up? Okay, so um, I've obviously was born in Stuttgart. So since I was young, I've supported VfB Stuttgart. Um, my parents were big supporters of them as well. So it always took me to the stadium and... Yeah, I've, I've just enjoyed watching them in the stadium and got a few favourite players. I think um, Mario Gomez played for Stuttgart and Hitzesberger. Mm, the hammer. Yeah, I've got a few um, shirts from him when he played for Aston Villa as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and of course... Definitely they... enjoyed them watching him when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, what are you sort of... When you were quite young, they won the Bundesliga as well, didn't they? Back in uh, about 2007 yeah. time. So that must have been a, 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 an amazing time. Yeah, that was unbelievable. <laughs> the atmosphere and everything. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that. And, and from a goalkeeper perspective, when you were growing up, there were quite a few sort of well-known goalkeepers like Hildebrand, Jens Lehmann, yeah. Sven Ulreich, or Ricky. They were all there at the time when you were growing up as well, weren't they? 
yeah, definitely. Um, Hildebrand was a big, um, big goalkeeper at the time, and then obviously he left after the after they won the title. And Lehmann was there as well. Obviously, he was a bit older back then, but still, so many good goalkeepers, and that's why I always I always looked up to them when I grew, grew up. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm quite a bit older than you, but I have very, very fond memories of a school residential trip to the Rhineland in the 90s, mm. where we uh, were in a hostel where we took on a school from uh, Stuttgart in a, in, a, in a game of football and we beat them 3-2 and it still ranks in one of the greatest moments of my life so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rhineland is, is quite far from Stuttgart. But... Yeah, but... A victory is a victory, and I'm taking it exactly. all, all, all the same. So, what was your experiences, Stephen, playing football as a junior? So, before you get into the Stuttgart uh, teams, which we'll talk about in just a moment, what were your experiences yeah. of playing junior football in that area? I think I started playing football with about five years old. I think mm-hmm. so. It was quite early, and I started playing with a few friends, and it was at the smaller. Stuttgart club so there's there's two big clubs basically and that was the smaller one of them mm. so yeah f- f- started playing there and um, yeah played there I think seven years or so wow so you were the kickers and, from 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 that early age is that right yeah so I've basically started with five or six years old and with all my friends there and then we stayed there all together for I think seven or eight years basically yeah well for people like me the kickers is the is the it's the club of Jurgen Klinsmann, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was quite a big club back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to tell you now. I'm I'm a big German football fan. My nice. formative my formative years, um, aged five, I was living in, in near Hanover because my uh, stepfather was in the uh, armed forces. So I spent a few years okay. in Germany. So this is where it's the same country. Well, it was West then, and then it, it was Ger- it was just Germany by the time I'd left, but. Yeah. This is the this was the country where I started kicking a ball around for the first time as well. So I have a big soft spot nice. for Hanover '96 as well. So um, yeah. so this, this this to talk to Swindon Town's only German to ever played is is, is a is a real <laughs> big moment for me. So yeah. So goalkeeping wise, at five years old, are there many goalkeepers at five years old, or do you just play in every position at that stage until you find where you where you go? Yeah, so I think basically at that age, everyone just plays whatever. So yeah. there's not really a goalkeeper or any position. So you just play in small goals and run around, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it was only, I think, a few years later that I actually um, discovered the goalkeeper position. And yeah, it took me a while. Do you fancy going up front at any point still? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's any better feeling than actually scoring a goal and celebrating with the fans. But... Oh, Obviously, I can still celebrate after the the game. That's really interesting. So, when a goal <laughs> goes in, you can still turn to the town end, for example, and give it the old fist pumps, can you? Yeah, that's what I'm doing anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> so, when when nobody's watching the goalkeeper when when the striker scores a goal. <laughs> oh, I tell you, when we we had a goalkeeper a year or so ago called uh, Lawrence Vigaru, and mm-hmm. and Lawrence had a had a reputation for uh, going to the away fans and. 
telling them to be quiet whenever Swindon <laughs> scored. <laughs> and him a very, and him a very very good reputation. Where um, and we were we were going to play against him against Leighton Orient had the season not finished, yeah. but unfortunately uh, we're in the situation that we're in. Okay, well we've got a question from Paul Davis who asks. What did you do as a young player coming through the youth system that made a difference in you eventually signing as a pro where others weren't? So what what made Stephen Bender stand out? Um, when I when I first started playing, I was I was always one of the smaller ones. So even then, under thirteens, under fourteens, I was still quite small. But then at that age, I think fourteen years old or so, I just started growing. Mm. So I always a bit. I was always a bit. Um, one of the weaker ones until, until that point. But I think when I started growing, I, I got more confident as well. And all I could do was basically train as hard as possible. And I didn't really have any free time. I went to school and then from school straight to training and on the weekends, games and tournaments and stuff like that. So you can't really go out with your friends or anything. But you just have to I mean, train as much as possible, keep going. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. or Because what happened to me, I've, I've got... Um, told yeah I'm, I'm too small I'm I'm too weak but I just kept training and then when I eventually started growing I think it just all came together and and then you just have to be confident in yourself and and take the chances you get yeah a lot of the people that I've spoke to talk about that early sacrifice where you essentially lose your childhood in many ways when you want to become yeah. a pro footballer are your friends understanding in that or are they like the devil on your shoulder that are trying to get you to, you know, go to parties and do things like that or are they generally understanding? Um, the, in the school I was, it was like a sports school. Mm. So all the all the people who were in the school, that they, they were sports people. So they were whatever, like swimmers or gymnasts or anything. So I think they were quite understanding because they obviously had the same as well. But then yeah. I had a few other friends that obviously like to party and stuff, but <laughs> they do understand what, what I'm doing and and what my sacrifices are so they, they're not really telling me oh you have to go or I'm not going to be a friend anymore or something like that <laughs> I think they're all quite understanding with that yeah cool so you went to a sports college what other sports were you into <laughs> oh I played tennis when I was younger yeah I really enjoyed that I wish I could have played it longer but at some point it was just too much with, with playing football yeah yeah I love skiing I haven't skied in a while now obviously because it's not really <laughs> <laughs> Something you should do in your off season when it's a lot of injury risk, but no. <laughs> sure you get told off if you got injured doing uh, yeah. going down the slopes, wouldn't you? Okay, I'd rather not try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to annoy Richie Wellens either. Um, no. <laughs> uh, Sam Randall yeah. asks, which goalkeeper do you look up to and try and learn from? So this is throughout your career. Yeah, um, I was always Manuel Neuer was always I think my biggest um, influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then some other goalkeepers, Ike Casillas or Buffon as well. And then in the recent years, more like probably testing. If you see what what he does with the um, playing football and playing out from the back, but yeah, there was definitely so many good goalkeepers out there. Yeah, definitely a Just, great generation to grow up watching goalkeepers, yeah. isn't it? They, they they certainly do a lot more than than what maybe goalkeepers were known for. Like we had like the Peter Schmeichels who were known for yeah. those sort of shot stopping as opposed to sort of playing it from the back and being able to you know, like sweeper <laughs> keepers and all all that sort of stuff, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, the game's definitely changing and 
you can see that as well. So yeah. I think it's quite good, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I'm enjoying it. So. so, I mean, you're at Kickers for eight years, which is a, yeah. which is a long time. Were you ever tempted to stay there, or was the lure of because you did go to the club you support Stuttgart? Yeah. Were you could you have stayed at Kickers, or did you just have to give it a go with the club that you support? I really enjoyed my time at, at uh, Kickers, and I really enjoy playing with all my friends and stuff. But for me, I think it was always as soon as VfB comes calling. I think for me, it was always I'm, I'm actually going there. Yeah, I only lived I think five minutes away from the training ground. I went to every game on the weekend, so I think as soon as they called, I just thought, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely doing it. <laughs> but the the fortunate thing was with me, there was always three other players from Kickers going. Uh-huh. At the same time, so yeah. I always only I had my friends already, so it was a bit better knowing you're going with your friends. I think that that generally is is in all walks of life, isn't it? It's always a little bit yeah. easier and less daunting. So I mean, many a times, sometimes I mean, I was sp- talking to Owen Doyle, who grew up as a Manchester United fan, went there on trial and hated it so much he he, he returned to Ireland as a Liverpool fan. Um, what, what was your experiences playing for the club that you supported? Did you enjoy it, or did it sort of tarnish it in any way? Um, at the beginning, I definitely enjoyed it. I loved it. I think. Because obviously playing for Stuttgart was was a dream, but then I think in the next few years it, it started to get a bit um, bit more competitive. Obviously, um, bit more pressure, and obviously because it was quite a big club and you play against all the big teams, you play against international teams and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and I was still young and I was I wasn't really that confident back then. And as I said before, I was very small, and so I think that pressure got to me then and and then I didn't really enjoy it anymore so that's when I thought oh I need I need to change probably yeah how does how does Stuttgart deal with that I mean it was it a case that it was um, uh, something that both parties agreed that you should move on or did they think that you were sort of like mentally weak or or was it just you know one of those things that happened to a lot of you footballers yeah so they they didn't say oh you have to go so it was basically just me saying, "Oh, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I want to, I want to enjoy my football. I want to play for fun. I want to do what I love." And yeah, I think they understood that. And I said, "Yeah, I want to play constantly. I want to enjoy it." So they said, "Okay, you can go, but um, hopefully we can stay in touch or, or see what happens from there." Yeah, fair enough. And, and the next call, portal call for you because you do move around quite a bit in your youth yeah. career, don't you? It was Ireland next, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's about an hour away from Stuttgart. So how did that work for you? Yeah, I, I was still in school back then. So basically I went to school and then straight from there with the train. Oh, right. To training and then back in the evening after training. It was quite a long way to fair. Every day after training, uh, after school, it was quite quite tough. But that's when I started really enjoying my football again. I, I constantly played. I, I really got on with all the um, players and coaches and I really started to get that feeling back for football that I love it and I just want to do it. So, yeah. And um, was there a significant sort of drop in the standard of coaching facilities at that point or was it generally quite good at Ireland? Uh, the facilities weren't as great, um, but the coaches were quite good actually. And I think back then they were in the third league, I think. Sure. So they were quite a good um, standard and we played against good teams as well. So I don't think it was that big of a drop. Sure. 
Well, we get you a move to Heidenheim, which yeah. um, they're an ambitious club. They, By the time that you'd arrived, they'd climbed through the leagues quite quickly and they were in the Zweite Bundesliga when you, when you joined them, I believe. Um, you're playing in the under-19 league, which is the junior Bundesliga Southwest. So you're playing against yeah. teams like Bayern Munich, Stuttgart, Frankfurt, Mainz. That was a was that a big step step up in comparison? Did they did they scout you from Ireland or was it just another sort of progressive move for you? Yeah, so they um they were scouting me at Ireland and then they just approached me and said, Look, we're playing Bundesliga under nineteen Bundesliga next season. Um, would you like to join us? So and then I I went there, trained with them, spoke to the coaches and I thought, Yeah, that sounds quite good because but back then I was I was growing, I was I was getting more confident. I obviously got my fun back and I thought, yeah, I want to make the next step and I want to progress. So I think it was, was the right decision for me then. Yeah, and is, is it playing in the junior Bundesliga where Teesvau <clears throat> get interested in you? Because you do sort of have a season at one club, move on, season at one club, move on, and season at the club, move yeah. on. How I mean, could you have gone pro with Heidenheim, for example? Um, I think that was the decision for me to leave. They were saying, because I had a, another year left on my like junior deal, I think. Yeah. And I wanted to know from them, look, after that year, are you going to take me into the first team? Because they didn't have a 23s back then. Yeah. Or still don't. So for me, it was, you got to tell me now, do you want to have me in the first team or not? And they, they couldn't give me an answer for that. They said, oh, we want to see after this year how it goes. So that's when I decided to, to then move to um, 1860 Munich. <laughs> Knowing that I got that, I got a three-year um, professional deal, which is amazing. But it's not a good time for eighteen sixty music, <laughs> yeah. is it? It's like so you move to this beautiful part of the world. Um, again, you're you're playing for a team. If it didn't have Bayern in, it's a massive team, isn't it? Eighteen sixty music. So much history. Such a big club. L- loads and loads and loads, and they're just permanently in the shadow of that sort of mega club that is Bayern. So, yeah. but. Three-year contract, fantastic. Pro deal, still playing in the under-19 uh, yeah. junior Bundesliga Southwest. But are you a victim of the downfall of 1860 at this <laughs> this time? So the first year was great, playing the under-19s, um, training with the 23s, training with the first team and really enjoying it. Having my own apartment in Munich, my city. And then obviously in the following summer, the club goes um, goes down from the second Bundesliga and the owner didn't want to pay the money you have to pay to stay in the league so, so they dropped another level dropped out of professional football and basically my contract was um, voided then because it was only for the first three professional leagues so yeah. I was out of contract by then basically and um, what's, what's going through your mind during that time? Um, it was quite difficult at the beginning but I think when they when they dropped to the Regionalliga um, so the fourth division in Germany we got told in the 23s that we all get new contracts and basically they get rid of the first team and the 23s play in the in the, in the Regionalliga. Um, yeah, so I was quite happy with that as well. But then obviously there came another, another opportunity with Swansea. Yeah. Well, as we reach the end of your German career thus far, I've got a question from Ben Wills. He says, yeah. is there anything particularly unique about German coaching that keeps producing such quality sweeper keepers like yourself and yeah. Neuer and Tostegen, etc.? Mm, I think knowing now what I know and seeing the difference in training, I think in Germany it's a bit more bit more um, 
one-on-ones, a bit more playing out with the foot, a bit more rushing out and stuff like that. I think they're just a bit more... They, they think a bit different about the goalkeepers in Germany. Whereas here, it's still a bit more traditional, more on the line, more on the reflexes and stuff like that. So that's why I think for me, it was quite good growing up in Germany, getting that part of my game, but then still coming here and developing the other parts of my game, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That takes us to a question from Hanra Hanrahan, who says, what three things can English football learn from the Bundesliga and vice versa? So what three things can either side learn from from what you've experienced? I think here in, in England, um, the whole um, sports science part is is much more involved uh, evolved than in Germany. So you have you have more sports scientists. You you really look at the gym and the strength training, how that can help you on the pitch. Whereas in Germany, you don't do that as much. So that's why I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the fastest. But then when I came here, actually very much improved in that part and I got stronger, I got faster. Whereas then in Germany, I think the technical part of the game is is better. You get trained more technically and whereas maybe here it's 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 a bit more um strength and and pace pace um training. Yeah. But there's there's always gonna be differences and there's always gonna be things that are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Simon Maslin asks, do footballers in Germany want to play in England or Wales or would they rather succeed in the Bundesliga? I mean, I, th- I think to add on to that, when I was doing some research for for this conversation, I was looking through the people yeah. that you played alongside um, during your youth career in Germany and I was looking at your, the opponents as well and a lot of the guys that were playing for these massive clubs at junior level are playing third, yep. fourth tier German football now. None of them in the Bayern, I don't think, were playing at a very high no. level, certainly not for clubs that are known worldwide. Is is the ambition to succeed in Germany first and foremost, or, or do you look to the United Kingdom, Italy, Spain, etc. For, for opportunities? I think, I guess it depends on the players. But obviously when, you, when you're still young, I don't think you think about other countries that much. You just think, oh, I want to be a professional football player. And that's mostly where you're, where you're living. So, but then, I guess it, if you get older, you think, oh, maybe I can go to another country. I think loads of German young players go maybe to Austria or Switzerland as well, or even Netherlands. But for me, it was always, I always wanted to play in the Premier League and, and I always had the ambition to play in the Premier League. So when then that opportunity came, I, I thought, yeah, I have to do it. Yeah, there, there are also a lot of teams in Germany where you can make a living, aren't they? Just because yeah, people yeah. haven't heard them worldwide, there are still plenty of pro clubs where you can have an entire career um, in the lower yeah. leagues, can't you? Definitely, yeah. Kelly is only a couple of yards away, but Digby manages to push it one-handed onto the bar. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Okay, well, let's talk about your move to Swansea then. So you're getting all this sort of bad news around um, your career, 1860. Um, Not sure what's happening next. And then you get a call from what was then a Premier League side in Swansea City. How did the move come about? Um, I don't know if you know um, him. His name is Gerhard Tremmel. Yeah, the reserve goalkeeper. goalkeeper, And he, he, he played in Germany long time and then he went to Swansea and he was back then he was with my agent as well so he was retiring and then he spoke to my agent and said look 
Swansea is looking for goalkeeper, young goalkeepers, and if I want to, if I want to come over and have a look and and train with them and see how it goes. And then obviously back then my contract was voided, so I was free to do what <laughs> what I wanted to do. So my agent asked me if I want to do it, if I think I can do it on my own without my family. And I said, yeah, I want to do it. And then I went there training. I think it was for a couple of weeks, and they decided to give me a contract. How did you find moving to Wales? Um, I thought it was really exciting. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a person who really um needs or who re- really misses the fact that I think I can. If I call them, I can deal with that. So I don't need to. Um, how do you? What's the word for that? Um, homesick is that? Yeah, yeah that's homesick. right. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not really a homesick person, and I know that my my family always um is behind me and. They always help me and if I need them. So I wasn't homesick and I just really enjoyed it. Obviously, I didn't know much about UK or Swansea even. I was never in the UK before that. Mm. So I just thought it was exciting and I really enjoyed it when I came here. Yeah, around this time, I mean, it's probably the tail end of it, but Swansea City for a few years had a great reputation as yeah. being a very well-run club. Um behind the scenes and just generally I would say and is is that what you found when you first went to Swansea yeah definitely the training ground there's unbelievable I think some clubs in the Champions League don't have a training ground that good obviously they played seven years in the Premier League so the coaches are very high standard and but literally everything you need to be to become a good footballer so yeah I was very impressed when I came here. Yeah, and you're sort of in and around the the Premier League two side when you move over. I think, I mean, again, the internet being the internet is not super reliable, but I'm seeing your first games. It starts out pretty well for you, doesn't it? When you start playing in the uh, in the Premier League two, you play against Leicester, Manchester United, yeah. and Sunderland in your first season, and you, they win all of them. So that you must be thinking, wow, this is all right. This is, isn't it? Easy peasy. Yeah. <laughs> so at the beginning, it was difficult for me because. As I said before, I wasn't really the strongest, but then getting introduced to that strength training and doing gym every day, I feel like I've, I've really and developed in the first year. Then it obviously took me a while to get playing, but I started playing the, the cup games and played a lot in cup games. Then started playing the league games as well. And yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it. And just, I don't know, it was, it went really well for me as well. Fantastic. And Swansea, Again, I can only look through, do my research. I'm not an expert on Swansea, but it seems to be every season that you've been in Swansea, as far as the senior goalkeeper coaches are concerned, it's been a different one every year. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, so Tony Roberts, hugely experienced goalkeeper and goalkeeper yeah. coach. He was your first one. Then Adrian Tucker, I think, in your second season. And then currently, I think they've got Martin Margotson, who's the England yeah. goalkeeper coach as well. Um, how does that... Does that benefit a goalkeeper who's trying to learn because you've got three different ideologies yeah. or can it be a hindrance as well um no i think it's definitely a positive because obviously everyone has their own ideas and thinks what what is right and so you as a goalkeeper you basically think oh that's good i'll take that that one's good i'll take that and you you just want you want to have your own game but you also want to have influences of of other goalkeepers and goalkeeping coaches and all three of them <clears throat> had good careers and been to loads of um, clubs and so I, I learned a lot I must say yeah 
And in your second season, that's where you start playing in the Football League trophy. So you start playing senior games. Yeah. Um, from a fan's perspective, we're not hugely keen on under-21 sides being in, in the Football League trophy. But from you as a footballer, it must be nothing but positive to get that opportunity to play in front of a, you know, a thousand or so extra people than what you're used to when you're playing in the Premier yeah. League too. Yeah. From a 23 point of view, I think it's definitely beneficial. You play against the man, you play in front of fans, a bit more pressure than, than maybe normal games. So that was a good step up basically from just playing against 23 teams. But then I also understand coming from the the, the point of view of the fans from the the league teams, um, obviously, it's not the most important trophy, and yeah, I get I, I get both sides. Yeah, I mean, as as a German, you know, the the football league system yeah. being as big as it is, there are under twenty one teams playing or second teams playing in the in the in the system in Germany, aren't there? You can play yeah. against the reserves of others, or they just stand alone, but they go by the name. Do you see a, Do you see that as a big deal? Is is it, it? Can you understand why it's so it's so unpopular in England? Mm. The, the fact that Swindon could play against Manchester United B when that's the the norm in places like Germany and Spain, for example. Yeah, I, I get that, um, but I think there's there's positives to both sides. So in Germany, as a young player coming up in the 23s, you play against men every day, uh, every weekend. So I think that's a positive. But then in England, that's why. That's why there's so many loan moves here because you obviously don't play against men in the 23s. Yeah. So I think there's positives on both things, but obviously both have lots of tradition, and <laughs> I don't think I don't see why any country would change what they're doing. No, because it's obviously working. So yeah, fair point. And I think you know, especially with Spain, people who play for Barcelona B or more so like yeah. Espanol B, they've got no hope of making the Espanol side. It's just it's almost as if it's it's a standalone side, isn't it? I mean, some of the younger players yeah. obviously break through, but there are twenty eight, twenty nine year olds that play in B sides that are there because they're very good regional players. But you know, that's it. Yeah, I think that's in Germany. Most of the players are young players, but then you always have, I think, two or three experienced players. I think just to help the team, to help them maybe keep in the league and give them a bit more experience. So, yeah, I would obviously obviously prefer if it would just be young players. Yeah. Well, last season as well, you you made it onto the bench for I think Erwin Mulder gets um, injured, so you did yeah. have some experience doing the match day experience from a championship level, playing or sitting on the bench in in big games. How how did you find that integration from the from the development leagues into the into the first team dressing room for the first time? Did you did you enjoy that? Was it tough? Um, I started training with them at the beginning of the season um, so I knew them already and they knew me so then when it came to the being in the dressing room I think they were nice to me they, they um, took me in them in the team and they supported me I think and it, it wasn't really um, thinking for me oh I'm, I'm in the team now I'm, I'm scared or something so I was quite confident and I knew that they were supporting me so it was just a really good experience I think yeah yeah I mean when you're when you're sat on the bench, so yeah. you're you're there. It's I think it's Bristol City at home or Bristol City away, and you're there. You're sat there, 
Um, you've done your warm up. You've take you put your bib on, and and now you're just expecting to just see out the rest of the day. And then do you do you like fantasize that Nortvel or whatever gets injured, and you have to come on and and and, and go from there, or do you just like sit there patiently and and hope that you don't have to come on? How what runs through the mind of a res- of a, a substitute goalie? Do you have to because you don't go out and warm up? I mean, they do in Germany a lot. I see because yeah. everyone's warming up in Germany all the way through the game practically. Yeah. Um, do do you sit there and just drift into space and hope for the best, or or, or you just like? <laughs> I mean, for a goalkeeper, it's, it's not the best thing to come on because you obviously you're cold. You just sit there all game and you're not really focused and um, thinking ahead. Oh, I'm ready to go on now. As like a player, you know, oh, I might come on. I have the chance to to come on. So. I think it's quite difficult for a goalkeeper, but you always, you always have to be ready, basically. But it's it's not as easy as it sounds. So no, it's not. I don't. I don't know that. Well, and and a lot of the time, you probably got to save a penalty as well. Or try as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a, the best thing. But have you ever had to do that in your career? You for uh, otherwise have to come on and uh, try and save a penalty with your first touch. Um. I don't think I actually ever came on, I think. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, quite um... good. I got quite lucky. <laughs> Damn you and your first team place. Okay. Frank McAvenny. Away from Parker. Not from Bruce, though. Naiho with a shot, took a deflection, he did. With Naiho to equalised for Swindon Town. And bottom of the table they may be, but they are made of stern stuff. This season, so you've been at you've been at Swansea two seasons previous. Yeah. You're moving forward. You're developing. And was it always the plan for season three for you to go out and get some get some experience in the lower leagues? Um, I don't think it was the plan at, at the beginning because obviously um, it was us three goalkeepers then, and we all were competing. Then I obviously got injured, broke my finger, and then Swansea brought in. Woodman and then by that point I, I didn't really know what's going to happen because by the end of the transfer window I was still injured so in my head I, I thought oh I'm, I'm just going to stay here I'm just going to um, wait till the injury is, is, is gone and then go from there but then obviously got the call on the on the transfer um, deadline day got the call from from Swindon and I think that was such a good um, opportunity yeah yeah and Okay, so it, it's Swindon. Were there any other clubs, or was it just nobody else but Swindon at that stage? No, it was just Swindon. So my my goalkeeper coach basically called me and said, "Look, I've got Swindon here. They they're interested in bringing you in. Do you want to do it?" Hmm. And of course, I I dare say that you knew very little of Swindon Town at this stage. Yeah, to be <laughs> honest, I didn't really know um, where Swindon is or where they are and um, where they play and who's playing there so it was more of a gut feeling and saying look I think it's the right thing to do I want to do it so when, when you're sort of when you get that call do you like go straight onto Wikipedia and or the or the Swindon Town website and sort of say okay well who's their goalkeepers how many do they have 
what what are the odds of me getting to the team? Because of course Swindon at that stage we have Luke McCormick who's playing all right. Yep. He's not you know doing anything majorly wrong at all. We've got Will Henry and we've got Archie Matthews. Do you look at that and think, well, hang on, they've got three goalkeepers here. Why do they need me? Yeah, that that is definitely definitely something you look at. You think, oh, they're three goalkeepers and they've played a few games now. Like, why would they need need new, new goalkeeper? Yeah, but I guess I guess that's um, you need a bit of luck as well. Um, you need a coach who who, um, who trusts in you, and yeah, you need to train good and and show what you can do. Yeah. So when when you meet up with Richie Wellens and Steve Mildenhall, yeah, and they talk about what their what their hopes for you are, it was was the aim for you just to compete with Luke McCormick and your chance will come, or was the intention just to sort of sort of ease you in gently into League Two and then you would get your chance? What what was the mission statement from them when you signed up? Um, it was definitely come in, train as hard as possible, show what you can do, and then compete. And they never said, "Oh, you you're gonna come here and you're gonna play." That was never the case. So they always said, "If you train good, if you." get your chances and you take them then you have a chance of playing but they're not gonna make it easy for me yeah and and what was your relationship with Luke McCormick and Will Henry and Archie Matthews at that stage because when you rock up I imagine they look at you and go <laughs> oh for crying out loud another person to, to go up <laughs> yeah. against I just want to play football man you know what I mean <laughs> you know it's was is there ever that I mean obviously you're all professional you got to get on yeah. with it but is that is there that element to start with that first hour that first day where they're looking at you going oh for goodness sake probably in their head they were thinking that but <laughs> they were quite good with with keeping it in them, so yeah. they were really nice, really um, supportive, and I didn't really expect that to be fair. But they're such a nice um, group with Mildy as well. They took me in, and I think it was perfect, perfect for me. Lovely. And how have you found working with Steve Mildenhall compared to the other coaches you've worked with in your during your career? Oh, he's a. I think he's a great goalkeeping coach. He's very enthusiastic, so he loves what he's do, what he's doing. Obviously, being a goalkeeper himself only retired a few years ago he's still um so so happy about that his job and you can really tell he wants to develop as well he wants to help us develop so i think he's he's a very very um good goalkeeping coach what makes a goalkeeper coach good though what what is it is it the methodology is it just their general approach and demeanor to who they're coaching what 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 makes a good goalkeeper coach stand out um i think from the technical and tactical standpoint, they all they all know what what to do. They all done their courses and that. But I think the biggest thing is um, on the personal basis. So they they have to be able to communicate with the goalkeepers. They have to be able to push them to motivate them. And I think that's that's why he's really good. Uh, he's he knows how to motivate me. He knows how to to get the best out of me. And I really enjoy that as well. I need that push in training and and before the games and. I think that's that's why he's really good at. How challenging has it been for you in the sense of Swindon have had a lot of injuries at the back this season. Yeah. How difficult is that for a goalkeeper to, you know, command a team? I mean, obviously you work hard in training every day and you have a good rapport with the players and things like that. But is it difficult when your back four is changing so much as it did do, especially in the centre yeah. back position? Yeah, it is, it is difficult because obviously you build up a chemistry and then if it changes, you need to build that chemistry again. But we all we have so many good players and I think all our centre-backs play with each other 
and they know what to do and so it makes it for, for me a bit easier that they already have a good chemistry together and everyone thinks about the team and they know that um, the team is the most important thing so it is challenging but I think we, we overcame that quite well as a team yeah who do you have to shout at the most <laughs> um, I mean they're all nice guys and <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> come on, Stephen. You have to, you have to shout. You have to tell them. You have to help them as well because they obviously can't see behind them. So it doesn't matter who's in front of me. I, I always tell them. I always shout them. It's in a good way, so not in a in a mean way. I'm nah. just trying to help them. Oh, you're very diplomatic <laughs> there. I would have I would have pushed them all under the bus. Whoever you have to shout, at the most. <laughs> get in position for goodness' sake. <laughs> um, Mark Hyatt's got a question. How have you found stepping up from under twenty threes football to League Two generally? Um, I think it's just it was for me. Obviously, I've played twenty threes. I've, I've trained with the first team. I've played in Czech trade games. So it was only the, the logical step to actually go out alone and, and play man's football. It's not as easy though as it sounds, so you have to get integrated in the team. There's a lot more pressure. You have to, to fight for your place. And even that alone for my development, is, I think, was unbelievable. And then playing in front of, I don't know, five to 10,000 fans is just an unbelievable feeling as well. And you, you never have that in the turn three. So I think... That this season was was um, very good and very very productive for me. Yeah, a lot of these grounds in League Two level, the the fans are really close to you. Have you have you experienced yeah. much stick from from opposing fans this year? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is it the surname? Yeah, oh, man. that's the biggest part. I think, but I don't I don't really care about that. <laughs> um, but you know, that's that's the fans. It's always going to be like that. But I think. It motivates me as well if I hear them shout at me and say stupid things. <laughs> that that helps me, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, just keep doing it. I remember Swindon <laughs> many, many years ago playing uh, Colchester United at home and um, Colchester's goalkeeper at the time, and I think he might be there again now, but it was it's a goalkeeper called Dean Gherkin. And this yeah. one fan just kept going on about the fact that his surname was Gherkin. And <laughs> Colchester won 3-0. And I always remember uh, Dean Gherkin turning round to that fan, giving him a wink as the game finished and um, running off. And it was kind of funny, to be honest. I do like it when yeah. goalkeepers sort of uh, react politely to the stick yeah. they're getting. Have you have you had the opportunity to do that? Yeah, um, Plymouth away. Nice. First, what was it? First off, um, Jen. They were shouting at me the whole game, so I just turned around and said, thanks for coming and see you, <laughs> you soon again. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Okay. Matt B and Jamie Day, of course, have, have a question, which a few people asked as well. It's in relation to the, uh, the BFG nickname and chant. Um, do you like it? I love it. <laughs> the one... Just that feeling in the in the stadium, you're there and, and they all sing that. It's just unbelievable feeling. <laughs> it's always a good thing as well. So if you get a song like that, it means that you're doing a good job as well, which is the ultimate compliment. Yeah. When when yeah. we when we spoke at the live event a few months ago, I asked you about uh, the book, the BFG, but you'd never read it. I've never never read it, and I think there's a movie. I think I've never seen it as well. Yeah, two two films. I've, I've no idea, no <laughs> idea what it's about. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's about a, a big friendly giant, and not the uh, the BFG. The Chan is referring to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, I mean, the season has gone really well for you. That's not that's not sort of a mince our words here. I mean, I was really impressed yeah. with the way Swindon integrated in you into the first team. Firstly, um, I talked on this podcast with with Ben, who who was really adamant that Swindon needed another goalkeeper. I was in the yeah. opinion that we already had three. But he explained his reasons why, and it was more tactical than anything. But what Richie Wellens did is he respected the fact that Luke was playing all right, and he stayed in the team for the first month or so. And then the Football League trophy game against Plymouth came up, which of course is your debut. We lose 3-0. It doesn't matter because we're playing a second string pretty much. It doesn't matter because we've got a bigger game coming up against Plymouth, which was a really sensible way of just getting you ready for that league debut, I found. Was that that the case or am I just making things up? Uh, No, I think obviously um, I didn't really play before that. So I just kept training hard and kept doing my thing in training. And then when I got told I'm playing the the league game was at uh, the cup game. I was really excited, and I just wanted to show what I can do. Obviously, it didn't play out too well, but I think I've I've still done all right in that game. And then we didn't know we didn't know who's playing until I think the Friday before the game. So yeah, I was just um, excited by then. Yeah, knowing no, there's going to be quite a few fans coming, and and that being my league debut, so I was a bit nervous as well, to be honest. But then on the pitch, I, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, there were mistakes in that Football League trophy game, but that's the time to do it, isn't it? That's the time exactly. to sort of iron out any issues, get used to the players around you and then get involved. And the fact that that happens during Swindon's probably rockiest part of the season as well, you know, before you started, we'd lost against Newport and Bradford yeah. and we lost away at Crew before that um, after that draw against Plymouth but then things just start getting better and better for Swindon and that key moment when Owen Doyle scores late on against Stevenage which really did kick start the season for us didn't it yeah it wasn't easy at the beginning but I think you just have to stick together and then the results will come so that's what we did and so Swindon's hopes of maybe getting another might be quite high this is Miglia Ranzi in towards Fallon here, it's Fallon, it's 2-1, Swindon on fire. That's a great finish, great finish from Fallon, pulling on to his right foot and getting away, but it's made by that man, Miglia Ramsey. Well, let's look at some questions that we have from listeners and try and incorporate them through the season. They are a, a, a mix, so we'll drift in and out of Swindon Town-related ones, and then yep. the questions will get sillier and stereotypical <laughs> as we go along, which you'll brace yourself for, I will warn you. But they're not from me, they're from the, from the good listeners of this podcast. So the first question yep. is from Swindon Sparkle, is what do you miss um, being away from Germany? Um, some of the food. Yeah, we'll talk about food in a minute, yeah. Because there's obviously, we have such good food, and especially where I'm from, from Stuttgart, we have like specific food food, um, food that you only get there. Mm. So I'm missing that quite a lot. But yeah, other than that, I'm, I think I've integrated quite well here and I'm enjoying my time here. So Those European markets at Christmas are such a rip-off. When you go to Germany and buy what you can buy in those Christmas markets... It's so much yeah. cheaper. I mean, some of the I I go to Aldi and get like German sausages and things like that, and yeah. they're like for a pack of four or five, it's cheaper than just one in a Christmas market. Winds me up. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Thomas Ayres does want to just want to give a shout out to a uh, to a restaurant in Stuttgart called On the Rock Steakhouse. He says it's the best steak you can get. Have you been there? Oof. I'm not. Sh- I don't think I remember it. But there's definitely a lot of steakhouses in Stuttgart, so you're always going to find a good place there to eat. <laughs> what is the uh, Stuttgart food that you can't get anywhere else? Have you heard of Spätzle? I don't think it's I have. Like, it's like uh, noodles, but like a bit thicker. Yes. With, um, I think they make them with eggs. Yes. And there's so many ways to eat them, either with a steak or with like different sauces and stuff. And they're really nice. So if you ever get the chance, go and have them. Will do. Paul W <laughs> asks, if you are not in the first team squad next season, will you be looking for another loan move to the Football League? Or are you confident that you'll be challenging Swansea for the number one shirt next year? And Quincy adds to that, next season, would you rather come back to Swindon or try your luck with Swansea? You're going to give a very diplomatic answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, basically, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen in the summer, um, what the goalkeeping situation at Swansea is going to be. Um, but I think I definitely can come back um, confident and, and definitely show what I can do what I learned and show what I can do in pre-season and, and then we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah. You have been linked in the newspapers to some pretty big teams as well. Do you, do you notice that or is that just paper talk? Um, there's always going to be talks and there's always going to be um, interest from other teams, I think. But my agent just always tells me, just focus on, on what you can do, focus on, on training and on the games and, and the rest. Um, comes from itself and and he deals with all that stuff so i just try and keep my head clear and and just focus on on training the games there's your diplomatic answer everybody i just think it's (laughs) i just think it's once you've had a taste of first team professional football if you're going to one of the elite clubs just to go back into the under 21s yeah that that, that's a big risk isn't it but you know career-wise you're going to get an education that that many won't ever get but you know it it, it can go either way can it yeah for for me i think wherever i'm i want to go i want to play so i'm I've played a full season now in, in league football and and I don't see why I would want to go back to, to playing in the 23s. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so James Griss asks, what's the best advice you've been given about goalkeeping and who gave it to you? Oof. That's a difficult question. Um, I've got a lot of advice from, from different goalkeeping coaches over the years and I've trained with good goalkeeping coaches in Germany. I've trained with good goalkeeping coaches here and they all have different different things to tell you, so I'm not sure if there's there's any um, single advice I can I can say that was the best for me. Mm. No, I'm just I'm just basically trying to listen to every coach and and then integrate into my game what I think is, is best for me, so I get the best from every goalkeeping coach, basically. Yep, the correct answer was Steve Mildenhall, who is a very sweary goalkeeper coach, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think I've heard that before like that. <laughs> I definitely got, I got a bit more... Um, my language got a bit worse as well, I think, since I've been here. But... <laughs> Craig the Pirate asks, how have you found working with Richie Wellens as a manager? Um, I think his idea of, of playing... Obviously, he tries to play out from the back, tries to to really get the ball moving, get behind the the defensive line, and and trying to score goals like that. I think it's it's a very good um, learning experience for me because obviously that, that fits my style perfectly, 
and when you go on loan, you don't really know what you're going to get. But coming to Swindon and and training under him, I think really helped me and just keeps developing my style as well. So I think he's he's a very good manager, and I think he's going to go really far as well. Josh Gruber asks, "Who are your best friends at Swindon Town?" <laughs> I mean, I, I've got loads of friends. We all get to get um, we all get um, um, socialized together. We all have loads of fun together. Obviously, we went to um, the Christmas do. We went to Glasgow. There was a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I couldn't really handle it, like like some of the older boys. <laughs> I saw some of the Instagram stories on that. Yeah, it looked rowdy. <laughs> it was obviously my my first Christmas doing. In professional football, so <laughs> I didn't really expect what's going to happen, and then I'm really—I don't really want to talk about it. It was not a nice feeling after, <laughs> but I think our team cohesion is really good, and that's why we—I think that's why we're at the top as well. Yeah, I mean, really it, it's been yeah. something that that almost well, it's something all of your teammates have said that this dressing yeah. room, this changing room, is is very very close indeed. Alex Carter asks, "What's your favourite career game that you've played part in?" Um, it's probably um, Plymouth, Plymouth away or or Exeter, maybe. Yeah, there's been a few really good games to be fair this season, and obviously, I've I've never played really in front of that many fans before. So definitely, this season was was the best in my career, yet, and loads of games to remember. Yeah, I mean, Kyle asks, and you've already answered them, what was your favourite home and away game of this season? So we'll say Exeter home, Plymouth yeah. away. How annoying yeah. has the weather been for you? Because almost all of these games were in atrocious weather conditions. Um, how difficult is that for a goalkeeper? Um, it is very difficult because you you kick the ball and you, do, you don't know where it's going to go. Is it going to go 30 yards to the right or is it going to go straight? Yeah, I didn't really expect to be that windy this season and I got told oh it's only going to be for one or two games but then it was the whole season (laughs) months months yeah it's not easy to deal with but I think that's another part of my game that I'm developing and I think it's quite quite good to see different things and to to have that challenge I mean when for the Exeter game I'm still to this day stunned that in the second half Exeter just didn't shoot they would. I mean, you just with the way the wind was traveling to the away end, you just think, yeah. just hit it and see where it yeah. goes, and, and and it could trouble you, and it almost certainly would have because the weather was a, a horrific that day. But they didn't, and you know maybe that's testament to their game plan. But I was just thinking to myself, just hit it, and it it, it turned out that game wasn't as wasn't as scary as it could have been because because Exeter just weren't taking any risks. But I'm not complaining yep. because that was a very no, important win. <laughs> <laughs> In reference to the situation where we're at, I mean, how... At the time of recording, it's looking more and more like the season won't continue. Nothing's been confirmed. Yep. And that would mean, of course, that it's very likely that you might have played your last game and you may have been denied a championship winning game and things like that. Does that play on your mind? Is that going to be like one of the big disappointments that, you know, Swindon might get rewarded the title, but it won't be the same as having the big day. And you only have one career. Is that a big regret? Or would it be a big regret? Yeah, I think definitely. I don't think there's anything better than celebrating in front of the fans, with the fans and lifting a title or a trophy. I think that's such an unbelievable feeling. 
and I hope that one day I can have that again. Obviously, it's unfortunate that it's not going to happen this year, but you have to think about the bigger picture and what's going on in this world. So, Yeah, I mean, do you think it, it should be done? I mean, obviously, you want the season to play out so you can get more games and things like yeah. that. That's That goes without saying. We would all prefer all 46 games to be to be played. But, I mean, do you think it should be just three go up and nobody wins the trophy? Do you think Swindon should finish top because of the statistics? I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, if they really end the season here and we can't play again, then I would think the fairest way would be points per game. So we would be first then, obviously. Because I think we obviously have one game less. So we would have the chance to, to go top if you would play that game, but that wouldn't be possible. So I think the fairest, if there's a fairest way, I don't know, there would be points per game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in that sort of feeling that, that it's just, oh, I don't know. It's like points per game. It's all well and good for us to say that because we go up, but it, yeah. it's, it's so unfortunate to say crew because they've, they've never won a league in their, in their history yeah. and they were kicking on. There was no guarantee, but I mean, it's not our fault that we had been in the top place for like 18, 19 match day weekends. You know, that's not our exactly. fault. And we, should, we shouldn't we should be punished for anything. I mean, if they voided it, I might give up on football, to be honest. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's move on from that. So next question is from Pete Norris says, what's the best and worst thing about playing League 2 or regular football generally? Um, I mean, the best thing definitely is getting game time developing playing in front of thousands of fans um, there's no better feeling than than playing football in front of fans and the worst thing maybe the, the worst thing is maybe the um, referees in League 2 you <laughs> 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 might need to cut that out <laughs> hopefully there's no referees um, listening I don't think I have a strong listenership in uh, that North are we talking about that Northampton one um, yeah, let's just leave that. Let's just leave that. <laughs> um, TJ Meerkat asks, who is or was the better goalkeeper, Oliver Kahn or Manuel Neuer? Oh, another difficult question. Um, both really good goalkeepers at their times. Different, both really good at what they're doing. Yeah. I think if you, maybe the more complete goalkeeper, you would say Manuel Neuer now. But then you, again, the times were different back when Kahn was playing. So yeah, both really good goalkeepers. Ever the diplomat. Okay, um, let's move to silly questions now. So Phil Cups asks, "What what are you watching on Netflix?" Tiger King. And <laughs> really enjoyed that. It's crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. I mean, I've got so much time, so we're watching so many, so many series and films. I can't even can't even tell you what what we're watching because we're watching so many. It just gets boring at the time now, but. <sighs> Yeah. Tell me about it. That's uh, Pete Marsh asks, why was Baywatch so popular in Germany? Probably because of the good-looking ladies. There we go. And <laughs> <laughs> have you? Has anyone explained the rules of cricket to you? And do you have a Welsh rugby union obsession? Um, I don't think anybody um, explained the rules of cricket to me. I've watched it a few times, but I don't. I didn't really get into it. Um, and rugby, to be fair. Um, my my girlfriend's family they're quite um quite um rugby fans so I've watched it quite a few times now and I enjoy watching it as well but I wouldn't say I've, I've got a favorite team or or no. anything like that. No, I mean 
cricket's great cricket is fantastic and i always get frustrated that you know there's in in the united kingdom there's this real divide you are you're supposed to either love football and hate rugby union or yeah. love rugby union and hate football but both can be enjoyed perfectly yeah. well um, i don't see why you wouldn't why you wouldn't like both or why you why you couldn't watch both so exactly and I'm, I'm, one of my big sort of regrets about life in england is they they just they tried in 2012 but they just haven't embraced handball which is amazing yeah it's i think it's a very good game and it's so fast-paced and i i, I really like watching it so, so good. whenever i'm back in germany i'm, I'm, I'm watching it because it's just I think it's a very nice game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to watch it all the time as a kid when I was living out there, yeah. and just Eurosport used to show it all the time, and it was just yeah. so, so good. Right, I've, I've promised we're going to go to food, and we are. Adrian K says, Bratwurst or Frankfurter? Bratwurst. Of course it is, of course. And that's what I was talking about, which is too expensive at Christmas markets. Come yeah. on, just go, to, just go to your supermarket, guys. Um, Jack Tanner asks, what's your favourite English food? Um... Apple crumble. Apple crumble. There you go. Okay. With custard as well. Of course. Of course. Okay. Uh, Connor Garrett asks, what's your favorite German musician? Shindy. It's like a German rapper. There you go. Michael Bells asks, do you like Schlager music? And what's your favorite artist? Um, I'm not really a big fan. Only when when we were skiing back in the day and you're on the Abris ski and stuff like that, but since then, I, I haven't really listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question, you've been a good sport throughout all of this, Stephen, thank you very much, is do you have a suggestion for a German team the Swindon fans should all support if the Bundesliga is the only league that resumes? I have a funny feeling I know who you're going to pick. <laughs> I obviously would say probably should cut whenever you watch that. But um, I think Bundesliga is, is great to watch and I think it's a bit... Um, in the shadow of the Premier League, I would say. Everyone says, oh, the Premier League is the best league in the world. What well, I think it is, but I think Bundesliga is still very good yeah. football to watch. So if you guys can watch it, go ahead and, and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've not been to many Bundesliga games. I've done Hamburg, I've done uh, Bayern, and I've done Hanover. <laughs> and Hanover being my suggestion yeah. on that, even though they're the second division, but that's my suggestion. Yeah. Uh one thing that I will say, because I've been to a lot of Premier League grounds and watched Premier League football as well, is just the match day in Germany is far more enjoyable. So, like, Hamburg have all these sort of... It's in a it's in an industrial area, and yeah. they just put up those tents with, you know, with you know where you can buy drinks, and they have the breakfast stalls, and they're all pop-up, and it's just, it's just a generally better and affordable experience as well. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, I really enjoy going to stadiums in Germany. I've never been here as a fan, so I, I I can't tell you how it is. But I think both leagues are are good to watch and and a good experience for the fans. I think lovely stuff. Well, that was really really good, Stephen. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Come on, boys. It's a grand old team to play for. It's a grand old team to see. Come on, yellow, the history.
we care Cause we only know that there's gonna be a show And this wind and turn will be The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.